Welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Sean. On today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to author M.T. Anderson about his latest book, Elf, Dog, and Owl Head. M.T. Anderson has written stories for adults, picture books for children, adventure novels for young readers, graphic novel adaptations of ancient French tales, and several books for older readers. His satirical book, Feed, was a finalist for the National Book Award and was the winner of the LA Times Book Prize. Both Time Magazine and National Public Radio have included it on their lists of the best 100 YA novels of all time. M.T. was absolutely incredible. We had an incredible conversation about his book, Elf Dog and Owlhead, about writing for young readers, and about making the world a better place and the various ways in which you can do that. It's a fantastic conversation. I cannot wait for you to hear it. But first, I do want to let you know, today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is everything. And Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. And by Self Unbound. Your quality of life, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, is a direct reflection of the level of abundant energy, ease, and connection your nervous system has to experience your life. At Self Unbound, your nervous system takes center stage as they help unbind your limited healing potential through network spinal care. Access the first steps to your Unbound journey by following them on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.selfunbound.com. Now, without further ado, my interview with M.T. Anderson is right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast with me at this time. I'm excited. I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. Uh, we're going to go to some interesting places, some magical places. We're going to talk about literature. We're going to talk about the impact on our children and society. We're going to talk about making a better world, whether we're writing one or we're directly impacting and often both. But my guest today, Mr. M.T. Anderson. M.T. Anderson, how are you doing today? I'm delighted to be here. Yeah. I had to say the full name. I was going to say, M.T., how are you doing? I'm like, no, no, no. We got to, we got to, M.T. Anderson. It, it, it feels very formal and also very regal and very uh, official and very authory, which works out uh, considering you are quite an author. So, um, but you can get, you can go with Tobin if you want. That's, oh, that's what I'm called. Tobin. Yeah, my middle name. Yeah, there it yeah, is. Yeah. Yes. Don't ask me why my parents chose to go with the middle name. They gave me a first name. They never used it. I don't know. Are you a letter? Are you M and then Tobin? Or is it, do you truly have no, a first there's name? A, but... There's a full Matthew stuck oh. on there, which stuck is, just there. is <laughs> like gathering dust for the last half century. <laughs> I don't, yeah. It's the it's the first book people don't really read. They just want to read the second one, Tobin. It sounds so interesting. Math. But actually, it's kind of funny you should say first book because actually the reason was because the reason I went with my initials as a writer was because I was like, what if I what if I want to deny that I've written my work at any point? 
I need to have a, something I can hide behind. So yeah, so I went with the initials because I was like, then if I'm at a party and someone's like, oh my God, I read this thing. I'm like, imagine that guy, M.T. Anderson. What a weirdo. Anyways, my name right, is Tobin. Exactly. I'm so nice to meet you, right? Like- right. <laughs> <laughs> I um I I met someone who had a middle initial, not a name, an initial, and uh, it was it was the first time I'd heard of it. And he was like, "Yeah, I don't I don't know the logic. They liked this letter, but they didn't want to do a full name. It is what it is." And I'm like, "That is interesting." So I had to ask if if the M was tied to anything yeah. or not. So well, now we've solved one mystery, and it's not even a mystery <laughs> show. So uh, watch out, true crime. Watch out, serial. We're come. No, I have no idea. The case of the missing name. You heard it here first. No, but it- I digress. So here on the Detox Podcast, for people that are new listeners, um, we invite people to quote unquote detox. I'm using air quotes there. I even said quote unquote, and I still clarified I was using air quotes. But anyways, it's been a bit of a long week for me. So we're just going to roll with it. And I'm going to say here at the Detox Podcast, we like to invite people to detox from the world around them get a window into how other people live their lives. And uh, I like to start each of the episodes by asking my guest, um, and MT, I'll start with you. What are you currently detoxing from? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is that I've just actually been on a, on a, um, a research trip. Um, and I went to, uh, to Italy to see the bones of St. Nicholas, that is to Ooh. say Santa Claus, because the next project I'm working on, and don't, this isn't going to be out for like two years or something, but is um, about, believe it or not, um, a bunch of Italian thieves um, in, went and stole the corpse of St. Nicholas of Santa Claus from Southern Turkey in the 11th century and took it back to Italy with them. And the reason was because these bones supposedly drizzle a, um, a, a, a sacred oil. And if you drink it, if you drink the what is exuded from the body, then um, you are healed. So they took it back to Italy and it's huh. still there. It's still in the town of Bari. So I went to see it. So I guess what I'm detoxing from is actually the slime that comes out of Santa Claus's body. Is this a bad time to make a bone broth joke? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> it's your podcast, buddy. <laughs> No, but that was that was when you're talking about that. I'm just like, isn't that isn't that what they tell you to do to get over a cold is make some bone right. broth and freeze well, it. Well, apparently, so you should use the 1700 <laughs> oh year old bones of a Christian saint. <laughs> you know, you learn something new every single day. That is not information I had beforehand, but I certainly won't forget it now. I cannot <laughs> wait for that book to come out. Seems like seems like it would be a wonderful Christmas gift for the loved one in your oh, life. Of course. <laughs> with with a recipe in back, maybe. Oh, there we go. <laughs> it's a hybrid cook book. Right. <laughs> right. But hey, here's an interesting thing about, I mean, um, you wanted to, like your podcast talks about sort of like questions of, of boundary crossing and all that kind of thing. One of the things therefore that I'm really uh, fascinated by in going to Southern Turkey where the bones are from and going to Italy is the, the kind of fascinating collision of cultures and religions that we kind of forget, you know, um, happened then. We, we like to believe that in the world a long time ago, everyone walked you know sort of straight in the path of their of their culture of their ethnicity you know there's the kind of the the white supremacist fantasy of a kind of an all-white 
you know, West, these things just aren't true. And going to these places, it's so and um, exciting and energizing to see like in Southern Turkey, you have, you know, the ruins of, of ancient classical temples from um, Greek and Roman cultures. And then you have um, Byzantine Christian things, you have Seljuk Turk things, um, all of these things layered on top of each other, using each other, using the masonry from each other's buildings, you know, using churches to build mosques and you know, mosques to build, you know, um, synagogues. It's really, really exciting. I think that's something that you, you brought up a good point. It is, it is um, easy to forget, or I, I should say this, not even forget, because I think for a, a lot of uh, people that are brought up in certain education system, it's not that you're forgetting, it's that you've never been taught of this intersection of so many competing uh, cultural right. and religious uh, identities. And, and I, re I can distinctly remember reading about certain periods of history and thinking, like, just because that's all I'm consuming, that this is the only thing that existed in the world at this time, without even thinking about what was going on in the other part of the world at this exact yeah. time. And then being amazed years later when, oh, wait, paper started over here? Oh, wait, this was the first <laughs> example of, like, um, the written language and the care and the technology and the... Oh, yeah. it didn't just start in Western Europe. Wow. Okay. Right, All right. right. Let me let me re let me re let me unlearn and relearn at the same time. Well, and like I grew up reading fantasy novels. I'm assuming we'll we'll probably end up talking about that kind of right. thing. And you know, fantasy novels, which I mean, it's a genre I absolutely loved as a as a preteen, as a teen. You know, um, it was, and I played Dungeons and Dragons, and it was in, very, very firmly based on a particular image of like Northwestern Europe, not right. even Eastern Europe or Southern Europe. It wasn't even Spain. It was really, you know, Northwestern Europe. And so to instead discover that, you know. They also had a trade that, you know, went all the way to the Middle East and beyond. And, yeah. you know, that that there that, that ideas were moving energetically and dynamically around the world, even at that point. Um, it's really kind of like it, it takes something that has become uh, dull and suddenly you realize, wow, like there is so much there in history and the the. Um, energy of, of things moving around this planet and people looking for new horizons. It's really exciting. Yeah. And was uh, then. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, you talked about uh, you're growing up reading fantasy. I want to I want to ask you and, and talk about for those that may not be familiar. What was some of your early forays into literature? What drew you into writing initially? Um, and then what ended up um, I've got a couple of questions about the type of work, and, and obviously we'll talk about Elf Dog and Owlhead as well. Um, but what were some of those early uh, uh, forays into literature like for you? Um, I mean, I, I really did love uh, fantasy and science fiction as a kid. Um, you know, um, I really, um, I really loved this uh, a series that actually really influenced Elf Dog and Owlhead was. Um, uh, you know, the, the forthcoming book is um, the work of this Finnish Swedish author from the 20th century named Tova Janssen, who was just like this, a kind of amazing figure. She was a, um, you know, she was a children's book writer. That's how the world knows her now. Like there's even a, uh, like a, um, a Moomin land based in her characters wow. in Japan. They built a whole park out of her characters, you know, a, a, an amusement park and stuff. But 
she's also like a um a uh, expressionist painter she had a fascinating like personal life where she like uh yeah i mean was was very kind of like bold and outspoken and even during world war ii was like doing kind of political cartoons that that could have gotten her in real trouble anyway she's an amazing figure and um in every way. And so she's someone who I loved as a little kid. And then as an adult, I started to read about her life and was even, I admired her even more. You know, one thing that I find was interesting, um, you gave, I would say you've won quite a few awards and won quite a bu- quite a few awards specifically around writing YA fiction. Uh, so writing for teens and and you you gave, you had a quote in an interview that I really liked this and I wanted to ask you about it. You said, um, you were asked about uh, uh, writing writing for your young adults or writing for teens versus adults. Like, what was the the sort of uh, thought process you had when you were coming to one versus the other? And you talked about um, that you, you rec- when you realize that you realized you can write the same book for adults as you can for teens, and it was important for you uh, for the for the teens reading to understand that there is an adult who cares about what they read and what matters to them and what's important to them. And so I wanted to sort of circle back and, and, and dig down a bit on that quote and go, um, what really, what, like, obviously you realize you could write the same book uh, for teens as, as well as for adults, but what made you sort of go over that hump to, to make that decision of this is how I want to write and this is who I want to write for. Well, I mean, I think like um, many writers for young people, um, I just was really screwed up as a young person. <laughs> so, you know, I think you, so like, you know, why do writers write is because we're broken people. So we have to live our lives over again to try to get it right the second time. So um, I think that, you know, that's really what happened. I spent years trying to kind of like work out the sins and repressions of my teenage years. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, I really think that that's it. And, I, you know, I think writers for young people, there are two kinds or maybe three kinds. Some who um, who have kids and who are really good at it, like observing their kids and their, and their, their, their kids' inner lives. Some people who are kids still, in, in, you know, and I would say that that's probably more me. And then I think that some of the best ones are the people who are both, who, rem- who have that deep emotional memory of their own childhood. But at the same time, they're able to see in their own kids or their grandkids, you know, the, the new regimes of childhood and to, to alter, you know, their own vision based on that. So, you know, I, there, I think that that's kind of my, my theory of why it is that people write for the young. I, um, I find, uh, the older I get, um, I'm using old as relative, right? So like, I I'm saying this and I, I'm sitting at 35 and I'm well aware of like, I, I feel like I've just started life in, in so many ways. Listeners. Um, he's just saying this because he can see on zoom that I have a beard and <laughs> mustache and they're both white. Okay. That's, that's, what's going on here. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I it, it, it's nice that you can grow facial hair. I'm still over here in the like maybe I'll buy a razor one day club. Um, but I but I digress. Um, but I find that I'm I'm drawn. I I consume a wide variety uh, of of books, and I I specifically really enjoy nonfiction. Um, I think that has a bit more to do with my religious upbringing and the fact that I read quite a bit of well, I'm somewhat argue fiction, but I would say I read a lot of commentary on on the the books that I was reading and stuff. But 
this is neither here nor there. I enjoy nonfiction a lot, but when I do read fiction, um, I keep finding myself coming back to YA literature over and over again. And I find, um, one, it's fast-paced. you got to, in a lot of ways, hit the ground running to, to grab and hold the attention. Um, but in a lot of ways, I'm finding that the ability to sort of tell a message through the story, um, it hits differently than it does when I'm reading sort of an adult. Uh, uh, I always feel weird when I say an adult fiction. A, um, uh, a fiction novel as opposed to a YA uh, novel, perhaps that's the way you do it. Because when I say adult, people are thinking that there's Fabio on the cover. Wow, 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 wow. Right, exactly. And, you know, yeah. nothing wrong with that, but that's not particularly what I was referencing. Um, right. <laughs> um, and so I say all of that to say, um, when you're thinking about sort of the theme and core messages that you want to impart to the reader, do you how, d how do you approach it? differently in maybe a younger story versus a YA book versus a graphic novel? Are, do, how do you approach the, the messaging differently in each of those uh, forms? Well, I mean, I'm not actually sure that I conceive of them as messaging with like a package, which I think is the most important thing is that actually I, I conceive of it first and foremost as, oh, this is a story I can envision telling to my, you know, eight-year-old cousins sure. or oh this totally feels like something where uh you know with the graphic novels like those are stories that, that felt to me like they needed to be graphic novels because i was like if, if you tell the story in words alone it doesn't get the action across as viscerally quickly as a picture does and this needs to be like action centered you know that kind of thing so like i think that the conception is really more of who do you want to tell the story to um, not kind of like this, whatever, uh, ideologies, but lying behind it or whatever. I like that. However, Katniss, uh, has to win the hunger games. That's the only, the only thing <laughs> the message is survival, right? Right. No, I dig. Yeah. I, I just, that's right. That's, I just uh -huh. reread that entire series again for like the, um, oh yeah. Movie. And, um, uh, this is a, this is a side, but this is not going to be my things to check out. I have recommendations and different things for folks to check out at the end of the show, but I will say something I've enjoyed. I go to Colorado mm -hmm. every so often and I, I, I cannot help. I start the first book because there's a description of the capital being in the Rocky mountains. So when I'm in mm -hmm. the Rocky mountains, I have to read the first hunger games. And in my mind, I'm like, that's it. I'm just going to read one. One and done, and then sure enough, three, then four, now four books later, I'm like, ah, oh, what a ride. What a wonderful ride. Anyways, um, <laughs> talking about- But okay, so she's a really great example though. Yeah. I mean, um, because I t I've talked to her about um, her uh, her process and like what I, what I told her I really admired about it is that like, there is a way that, yeah, there are things that, um, that she wants to get across. Um, about uh, the way that Americans live and that kind of thing. But like, it is so interwound with the plot. No one ever has to say, right. and the moral is, right. you know. <laughs> and that's Suzanne Collins for those who are like, who? who oh, who, sorry, we're, yes. We're talking about Jennifer Lawrence? No, we're talking about Suzanne Collins. We're talking about Suzanne Collins. <laughs> um, the incredible author of Hunger Games. Um, well, I think that's a good segue into uh, Elf Dog and Owlhead. So... This was a very interesting book. It's about a boy and a dog or a dog and her boy, right? And so I want to yeah. know, um, you talk about sort of the 
I think there were some motivations or some experiences uh, that you had early in COVID about exploring the mountains and how that may have influenced the story. So uh, talk to us a little bit about um, what is the book about holistically? Mm -hmm. And then what was your approach to uh, uh, finding this story? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, um, it's a simple story. It's for sort of, you know, I would say eight to 12, depending, um, but about a, um, a boy who during the pandemic, though that's not a big, you know, element of the story. Um, he is wandering around kind of bored and alone in the forest. And he meets this, this magical dog that has escaped from a mysterious kingdom um, under a mountain. And, uh, you know, immediately they really kind of take to each other. They explore the woods together. She shows him new places. But at the same time, those people under the mountain who own her want her back and they start to stalk her through the woods. And so it's sort of also that sort of adventure of will he get to keep the dog that he loves or not? Um, and this was based very firmly, oddly enough, on my, uh, I know it, obviously it sounds a little um, hallucinatory, it is actually based on my own experiences during COVID in that I had a, uh, a very deeply beloved uh, dog who had just, um, you know, right before COVID had a, uh, a kind of a sentence of death based on her, uh, on some medical stuff that happened, a, a tumor. And I was told, yeah, she's probably going to last like three days. And instead, for no particularly good reason, she sort of miraculously lived. She got stronger. By the next week, we were back on our thing of walking like five miles a day. Um, and so, uh, and it turned out to be incredibly fortuitous because then for five months, I was stuck in this little like <laughs> haunted, tiny 18th century house up in the mountains <laughs> Um, of Vermont with that dog as my only living companion. And it just, it made the experience so weirdly rich to be going with her. Like there are a hundred miles of, of road in the town. And so I decided we were gonna walk all the roads during, um, during COVID, we we're gonna walk them together. And um, just, you know, I really wanted to write something about how deeply how deep our connections are with these animals that we just, we call pets slightingly. But in fact, you know, they're, they're family members, they're friends, they're all sorts of things to us. And, um, and in her case, I was also so aware of the way she opened my eyes to the world. Um, it wasn't like, yeah, I mean, I may have been the one who said, we're going this direction, but she's the one who actually knew where all the cool stuff was, right. you know? <laughs> and I just like, I just feel so much gratitude to the animals that get us through the day and the animals that get us through our lives, you know? And I'm sure that, you know, for many of you out there, you have had that experience of like, everything seems like crap, frankly, and you come home and then there's this one creature that looks at you and is like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what other people say about you. You are spectacular because you are you. You know what I mean? Yes, I love that. I do. And like, we all need that. I do. I agree. My, uh, I had a cat, uh, Merlin, who passed away a couple of years ago, but that first sort of six, seven, eight months of COVID. Um, so we were mm. already close. He was 10 years old. Um, but that, though, that time, um, he really just like he, you know, it was a tough time. And he every time I'm yeah. sitting here in my office, he was in here with me, sitting next to me. I had set him up a little like stand 
so he would hop up and just I'd be working. He'd talk with me periodically. We'd have a conversation. You know, he would like pop. He'd see something outside the window. He would tell me about it. We would talk about it. Lizards. We noticed a lot of lizards were coming and like, you know, having a community and an ecosystem. I mean, just but to your point, right, they know where the cool yeah. stuff is and they're telling you right. about it. And then they, they get us through some very difficult times because they don't care about anything else they just care about you and they think you are the most incredible thing in the entire world and agreed we do you know refer to them as pets uh slightingly but truly they are companions family members yeah and companions and right well i mean and it sounds like yours was also like your um cubicle mate yes exactly work. like you know like you can bitch about the boss together right. you're like hey did you uh did you see what did Tiger King last night? Yeah, yeah. man. What about that? You know, like yeah. the cat's like, I have really strong opinions right. about Tiger King, as you can imagine. Uh, he was a tuxedo cat, so he was always dressed for success. He always made me look bad with my, you know, like long sleeve right. T-shirt and sweatpants. Right? No. He's like dressed for the job you want, buddy. Right. It's like I don't know what to tell you. You're over here. You're the one that's working hard. I'm just living, living large, right? You know, no. <laughs> Um, well, that's, that's wonderful. So, um, uh, as this episode's releasing, people might be listening to it at any point in time, but as they're listening to it on release day on April, Tuesday, April 4th, uh, the book's releasing next week, Tuesday, April 11th. Um, so what is, do I have that correct? I think that is correct. That's correct. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 So Tuesday, April 11th, it's going to be officially released. So where is the best place for people to get, uh, their copy of Elf Dog and Owlhead? Well, I always promote your local bookseller, um, as you can imagine. I mean, uh, yeah, they um, they do so much work to kind of curate a collection that is made for your area. And they're, um, you know, they hold events. And, um, and yeah, the more that we have a kind of like diversity of outlets in this country, um, the better off things are, you know? I mean, we're at a weird stage of capitalism where somehow capitalism means less competition. Yes. And we need to actually like, no, we need to give, uh, you know, we need to give, you know, Amazon a run for its money, basically. I agree. And the wonderful thing about your local bookstore is you get to know the people that are working it and they get to know you and they do know the community and they are trying to make sure that they have what you as a community member want. And then to your point, yeah. they can have events. There's a lot that you can do. And I think one thing that I was very passionate about, just sort of doubling down on the community aspect, um, yeah. coming out of COVID, I made a concerted effort to get very involved in the local community, understand the city. Uh, part of it was my kids were finally going to the, the school uh, right near our house. And so mm -hmm. it was school and community. And then and just noticing how many more businesses and people that were working together to make the city and the surrounding cities really awesome um, that I had taken for granted because in the hustle and bustle of pre-COVID, I rarely spent time in my community. I was always leaving to go somewhere else. Um, and so coming out of COVID where there was uh, a bit more remote working opportunity and combined with going in the office, it afforded me that opportunity to pause and look around. And so I'm even more beating the drum of like, nope, let's support these small businesses. Let's support our community because they're our neighbors. They're, they're just like you and me. And, and really like, why wouldn't you just want to sit around and read books and drink coffee and, and talk about, <laughs> right. Um, the, the Pan Am or a magical dog or anything. And right. Anything, right. Yeah. And I mean, and I just want to say total amen to that just because I feel like, 
like after all of us were cooped up for kind of a year, basically, if not longer, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, community. I mean, remember even just things in terms of like life expectancy, yeah. it radically changes if you are an active part of your community. If you and your kids are, are taking part in things, um, especially that kind of like intergenerational thing. And then the second thing is just like the wonder of life and the wonder of where we all are living. You know, like yeah. I'm, I just feel like that's so important. I mean, in, in one sense, like writing about the mountains of Vermont in this book is for me writing about like the magic of a place that I live, but everyone has so much stuff around them that, I mean, it's just great to take advantage of it and to feel like, okay, yeah, I worked 10 hours today, but somehow then I went like to, even if I just drove by with my kids, I don't know, a circle of standing stones that yeah. some madman put up in a local, you know, uh, you know, like median strip. Right. And we, we just idled the car for a second and said, here's a circle of standing stones. Yep. Or, you know, there's someone's giant statue of a chicken that once advertised a restaurant. Let's just go visit it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's going to take 15 minutes, but it will suddenly like it becomes the day you visited the chicken. Yes. You know? Yes. Wholeheartedly. Um, and I just, oh, I, I'm thinking about so many different areas that have changed and shifted yeah. or are still, you know, a hollowed out chicken on the side of the road and just <laughs> where, you know, what adventures can be had either, by going or observing and discussing and thinking. Yeah. And it's, um, I don't think we do enough of that. Um, and we should yeah. do a lot more. I love that. Um, I want to ask uh, from the, for those who are listening, who may be an aspiring writer or perhaps that they mm. have children mm. that are aspiring writers. What are, what's some advice you have uh, to, to sort of newer writers in that sense? I would say that the main thing is to actually write instead of just like telling people um, that you have an idea for a book, you know, I yep. mean, no, it's great that you have an idea for a book and it maybe that's enough, but I mean, it like in a way it doesn't matter in the end, whether what you do gets published or not, if you love what it is you're doing, um, you know, even as a professional writer who has won awards, I write books that don't get published sometimes. So don't worry about that so much initially as just writing the book and seeing like, do I enjoy this? Yeah. I mean, for one thing, to be frank, uh, in most circumstances, you know, it's not such a lucrative sorry, profession that you would feel like, oh, that's where the big bucks are. Like, <laughs> you know, so you have to find joy in it. And if you're going to find joy in it, just sit down and write and see what happens. Like sit down that first day and say, I don't care that there's a blank page and that that might be frightening. Instead, that blank page is going to look to me like opportunity because the story that's been sitting inside me for so long, I'm just going to start wherever I want to and start to tell that story. Remember, you can always go back. You can go back and write the beginning when you haven't written the beginning. You can go back and fix things that are wrong. Just sit down and write. Yep. And if all else fails, Use your initials so you can disown your work at a party, right? <laughs> Amen, Joe. <laughs> I love it. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. So as we said, Elf Dog and Owlhead releases Tuesday, April 11th. Uh, check out your local bookstore, your local community. Find a way to support those in the community. And by all means, get a copy of the book for yourself. 
get a copy for a friend, get a copy for your school, get a copy for everyone. That is my plug. We've got some links in the show notes <laughs> for sure. Um, now, we are going to shift gears and go to the yeah. uh, final segment of the show, a segment I like to call Things to Check Out. Uh, it's a segment where I provide a recommendation of something I something to watch, read, and or listen to, and I invite my guests to do the same um, uh, beyond, right, Elf Dog and Owlhead, because that's what we've been discussing. Yeah. That's what people should check out, number one. After you've checked out and gotten your multiple copies, I presume, of Elf Dog and Owlhead, um, some other things to check out. So I'll go first, and then I'll invite uh, UMT into the conversation. So uh, I was thinking about this, and I was going back and forth. So I, I'm going to try and be quick, because I think there's a, a lot of really good things I want to bring up from a um, uh, checkout perspective. So from a show perspective, um, I was having a conversation about this show. I actually don't know when it, when season two is coming out, uh, but Wheel of Time on Amazon Prime, I was a huge fan of when it released um, last year. I think it was last year. These years start to blend together after a while. I believe it was last year. So, But Wheel <laughs> of Time on Amazon Prime, that's a rhyme. What do you know? What a time. Uh, I don't know. I was trying to keep the rhyme going. Um, definitely check that out. Uh, I think it took it took um, uh, I have enjoyed fantasy, but I've not always been one for high fantasy. Um, and, oh, and yeah, and um, the uh, the nature of that show was so interesting that it pulled me in. And I'm excited to see where it goes. I have not read the book series, so I'm just watching the TV show. Um and then also from a uh, things to check out from a book perspective, I actually have um, some fiction stuff. So I uh, started rereading one of my all time. I'm a huge Michael Crichton fan. There's just something about the science fiction of Michael Crichton uh, that I enjoy. Uh, but Jurassic Park specifically, I remember the first time I read the book and saw how much more was in the book versus in the movie. I was hooked. And um, I just took my kids to Disney World and was thinking about um, the line from the movie where Jeff Goldblum says, if the Pirates of the Caribbean break down, the pirates don't try and eat the tourists. And so when I was on the Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean and it didn't break down, I was thinking about that line. And so I immediately came back and started reading it. So that's my thing to check out. If you haven't checked out the book, check that out. Um, I'm also working on, personally, uh, a, a soccer uh, I'm a huge soccer fan. I'm working on a soccer podcast project uh, that's out, and I'll recommend that in a second. Uh, but as part of the research for that, I'm reading The United States of Soccer by Phil West, who documents the early days of Major League Soccer and, and soccer in America um, from that standpoint. And then um, a podcast show to, to check out. Um, I really enjoyed Batman the Audio Adventures by HBO. It's out on all podcast platforms and on HBO Max. One thing I love about the audio medium, I grew up listening to old-time radio dramas and the variety of things they could do with narrate with a combination of narration, and sound effects, and cutaways was really unique. And I think um, doing an example of doing a lot with a little from a resource perspective. And one thing that I've disliked about a lot of audio dramas in uh, the 21st century is it's sort of a straight um, play that you're listening to, which is fine. But Batman Audio Adventures does this sort of like they have an overarching narrator. Narrator, he cuts in and out of different pieces. You mm -hmm. like fade in, and you are set up. And the way in which they manipulate it, uh, the audio that is to to provide different um, uh, scenes, uh, is really cool and evokes the memory of the old school way of of doing radio. So I highly enjoy that. And uh, so check that out. So those are my recommendations. Uh, and I, I hope that was enough time for you to pull up some recommendations. So MT, what are, what are some, uh, what's a, something to watch, read and or listen to? 
Yeah, right. You know, you know that like asking someone for recommendations on like a live, you know, thing is basically just you might as well just wipe our minds clear like an etch a sketch. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know I mean? You're like, uh I, I read a book. Okay. But I I, do <laughs> I hear some... elf dog and owl heads good. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So um for shows, and this is not this is not necess- this is not necessarily something for sharing with uh with the kids one thing that i love about netflix despite the fact that netflix now no longer has like any movie that you want to see it only has the the b movie versions of (laughs) but one thing that is actually superb about it is that it has a bunch a a huge number of international television uh, series and so two that i would recommend um one is delhi crime it's uh very hard hitting but it's based on reality um, even though it is, it's fictionalized, but it's based on reality. It's an Indian uh, police procedural. Um, it, it, I will warn you that it is kind of, you know, disturbing because it's about kind of things very similar to real crimes. But it is, it's very powerful. You get a very interesting glimpse into um, the police system in a, you know, in a country that is not ours. Um, another one that I would recommend, just as uh, for sort of pure eccentricity, is The Untamed, also on Netflix which is a, um, a homoerotic fantasy, um, like uh, um, kind of martial arts magic uh, series that, and here's the interesting thing, that flew under the wire of uh, the Chinese censors. Oh, wow. So it was hugely, um, it's hugely popular in China, but is about a topic which you are not supposed to write about in public. Um, interesting. And there's even been stories on social media that the anonymous author of the books it was based on spent time in prison. So wow. anyway, it's um, it's a really interesting kind of once again, it's 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 you know, it's a romance and blah, blah, blah. But still, it's um, it's interesting also just because you're seeing uh, a very different take on on romance and, you know, that kind of thing. Um for novels, I would suggest um, Sayaka Morata's Convenience Store Woman, which is a, uh, a very short novel um, about an extremely unusual narrator, that is to say, a woman who just wants to work at a convenience store. And, um, and it's just miraculous being placed in the mind of this unusual narrator. And, you know, I, I, I loved it. Um, and... Uh, podcasts i'm listening to two right now that are um both about insurrections and attempts to overthrow the united states government in the past one of them um rachel maddow's ultra is about a far right uh attempt to overthrow the government back in 1940 and then the other one is called mother country radicals and it is about the weather underground and a far left uh attempt to uh overthrow the u.s government in around uh, 1970. And both of them, they make a really interesting uh, like comparison, listening just, you know, like what does it mean to be a radical on the left, a radical on the right? And, um, you know, what are the comparisons? What are the differences? Both very powerful podcasts. In the one case actually made by the son of two of the um, people who who ended up uh, in a sort of disastrous uh, yeah, a dis- disastrous attempt to overthrow the government. 
That is fascinating. I wrote those down. I'm going to start subscribing Great. to listen yeah. to it because it was incredible. You know, um, I just want to circle back real quick because what we talked about at the beginning, well, so for those that don't know, the theme of detox this year is reconnection. And so I interpret that in a lot of different ways. I often um, uh, talk about how, I, to me, reconnection is revisiting old patterns or situations, but with new learnings. And so you're able to take sort of a different and unique path. And so, um, you know, uh, listening to those um, stories uh, and those podcasts can give us sort of new knowledge to combat, um, uh, hopefully, hopefully not need to combat situations in the future. But but learning lessons of our past is what will enable us to make better decisions, ideally, in the future. Um, Absolutely. So, Amen. Um, but I was reading about, uh, we were talking uh, at the beginning about how uh, you went to you went uh, overseas and you were talking about um, how we as a society um, don't often think about the intersection in history of culture and religion and all these different right. things. Um, and and as I was I was referencing soccer and I'm reading a book inverting the pyramid about the history of football tactics. It's I would say it's quite dry if you're not like all about data and tactics and facts and sports. Um, it is. Incredible. I love it. Um, uh, my spouse tried to read it and was just like, what, what is this book? This isn't like, how are you reading this tome, <laughs> this literal tome? Right. Um, but I bring that up to say there's a whole section where I was taught that sort of a breakthrough in, 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 in soccer tactics was when the Dutch created this thing called total football. It was attacking. It was exciting in the seventies. And then it talked about how it was actually created slightly before that. And a little bit concurrently um, in Eastern Europe, um, that mm -hmm. wasn't socialized because we as Westerners were tr were weren't communicating or trained to look at anything other than what was happening on the Western side. And so mm. I, I only bring that up to say I think if there's one thing that we can continue to learn and grow as a as a society is to know that you know there are learnings everywhere, and sometimes we don't know about history or lessons that have happened because we haven't been exposed to it or we haven't been, it hasn't been shared with us. And so we all need to take time as we hear about situations and people and places to do some of our own research and learn so we can start sharing a broader, more interesting and more complete story so we can continue to learn lessons and grow and, and make a more inclusive world. And also like what you were saying earlier about like, being part of your community, being part yes. of your community, oddly enough, yeah, it means learning about the place and things, but it also means learning about the people you don't expect are there, but yes. are actually all around you. And that can, it's another thing that makes your own community suddenly kind of like, uh, yeah, shine like something you've never seen before. Exactly. Oh, I love it. So people... Uh, I was about to say people, the podcast, we're the people, the podcast, people listening to the podcast. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Pick up Elf Dog and Owlhead. You won't be disappointed. And while you're there, why not just pick up a few other M.T. Anderson books? I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's a wonderful time. Oh, I almost forgot. If people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Um. <laughs> to just give me a call because I don't really do a lot of social media. I, uh, no, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on Instagram. I'm on, you know, I'm on Facebook. But I, I, I gave up Twitter because it was just too, it was too poisonous. 
Uh, that's I'm, a very good point. I'm sorry. I don't have a, an easy answer. I'm, no, okay. I'm just a recluse. I live in the mountains. What do you want? <laughs> well, mt-anderson.com is a way yes. for folks to follow your work, if nothing else. Yes. Right. And then be able yes. to see um, what's coming out, um, interviews that you've done, um, different awards um, and, and links to different books and stuff as well. And some reviews there. So uh, I would direct people. That's a much better answer than my answer. Thank you. Thank you. I am. Really not good at self promotion. I, I it's okay. That's why that's why I'm here. I got you. Sorry. I got you. No, it's all good. Thank you. Oh, empty Tobin, if it were Matthew, if we're dusting off the the name. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. This has been a true delight. Thank you so much. That was so much fun. Of course. And listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.